Welcome to UX Radio, the podcast that generates collaborative discussion about information architecture, user experience, and design. Today's guest, Giles Colburn, is extremely familiar with usability and user-centered design. His career spans more than two decades, and currently he's co-founder of CX Partners with Richard Caddick. Colburn also found time to author Simple and Usable, Web, Mobile, and Interaction Design. In this podcast, host Lara Fedoroff talks to Giles Colburn about simplifying user experiences when designing digital tools and applications. I just appreciate so much the time to talk to me today. Tell me about your schooling and your early career days. Oh, sure. Well, I started in human-computer interaction before it was really a thing, um, and I didn't even know what I was getting into. In, in my family, there were two types of people, really. There are the scientists and the designers. My brother is a designer. He's a car designer. But I actually studied science. I studied physics at university. And, you know, while I was there, I did a bit of student journalism and, and wrote newsletters and stuff. And unusually for a British degree, uh, I took psychology in with my physics, which, you know, British degrees, they don't let you mix subjects about as much as uh, they do in the United States. So that's quite an odd mix. And I came out of university thinking, well, I, I want to do something in communications, but I really didn't like anybody I had met who worked in advertising. I mean, they'd, they'd come around uh, on the kind of graduate recruitment round, and I just thought, really? Um, and so I joined British Aerospace because they were nearby and because they had a good graduate recruitment program and, uh, you know, something might come up. And actually what happened was that the human-computer interaction group got past my CV and, and they said, well, he's done a bit of computing and uh, he can write newsletters, so he can come along and work for us and write the newsletter for the HCI group. And, and I came across this thing and it, it had everything I was interested in. It had psychology and it had design because I'd grown up around all of that stuff. And, um, and it had communications and it was great. And the only thing that wasn't great was that this is really pre-web. So what that meant was that you only really got pulled into projects on sufferance. You got pulled into projects because people had to have you there. And so they always pulled you in too late. And everyone in the industry was like, why does nobody ever listen to us? And I think the big change that really happened was, you know, computers became a commodity. They became a consumer item. And so instead of being something that was done to people, given to people by organizations or, you know, faceless, uh, faceless groups, computers became something that people chose. And so you had to start making them, you know, friendly and fun and, and usable. Uh, because otherwise people wouldn't choose them. And, and so, you know, that, that's been the big shift in my career. We've gone from, you know, why does nobody ever listen to us to everyone listens to us. Everyone wants a little bit of what we do. And, you know, I think we're, we're incredibly lucky. Uh, most of us actually have, have immense influence in organizations, even though we think we don't. I mean, nobody ever has enough, right? But that shift uh, has been you know, just amazing. Over, over that period, over the period of the, the growth of the internet and the growth of, you know, to the point where everybody has a, a computer in their pocket. And so you're writing the newsletter, um, things are starting to change. Where, where does your career take you next? The next kind of significant step in my career, I guess, was um, 
while I was, as, was working at British Aerospace, I was putting together some uh, educational materials, and that kind of led me into the world of, of CD-ROM. And, and then I found myself working at Institute of Physics Publishing. They were assembling a team because they had seen the future of publishing. They knew exactly what it was. It was going to be libraries full of banks of CD-ROMs in enormous jukeboxes, and, and that's how people were going, to get, were going to get their books and stuff. Um, and so I was brought in to help people build that. And pretty much, I think, the, the first day that I got there, I noticed this rather cool-looking black computer in the corner that nobody seemed to be using, uh, but it looked great. And, and that was a Next workstation. And on it, it had this new piece of software, which was you know, only just out. And that was, um, that was a web browser for something called the World Wide Web, which had been invented by these physicists who were trying to get stuff published. And you know, immediately it was like, well, God, we don't need to see these. We don't need any of that stuff. This is amazing. And so I just you know, happened to show up in the right place at the right time. And I found myself you know, working on some of the first, um, the first web publications, the first websites, the first commercial websites, you know, going to conferences and, and meeting people like, like Tim Berners-Lee and having a little you know, discussion group with, with him and you know, half a dozen other people. Um, and so you know, it was, again, just very, very fortunate. And, and as I said, you know, that, that point, the point at which um, you know, the, the, the web kind of exploded on the world and, and everyone wanted to use computers to, to publish and read information, uh, was a big turning point. Right. There's been a lot of talk about information architecture, user experience, interaction design. There's all sort of these facets that we're touching on. And so what is your specialty? Where Where is your passion within all of those different facets? Wowie. Um, well, I wouldn't like to you know, to stick a label um, on myself as, as, as one of those things. Sure, sure. I, I, you know, I run a, a UX business. Um, and so, you know, I have to kind of uh, have, um, you know, some, some breadth across that. And I have great people work with me who are real specialists in, uh, you know, in, in research techniques, for instance, or in, in interaction design. Um, and so I kind of have to sit and, and float above that and understand enough of everything to kind of help coordinate that see where that goes forward but the thing that I'm really interested in the thing that I find I keep coming back to is is the idea of simplicity and, and what I mean by that really is the idea that you can solve complex problems by finding a few simple levers to pull and and if you focus on on a few simple things in pulling those levers a lot of the other stuff will start to fall into place you know I think very often when anybody solves design problems they get to that point where they really understand the problem and they see every little wrinkle and then they try and iron out every little wrinkle um, and, and end up with something that's way too complicated for people to approach and use unless they have you know, a similar level of expertise. Um, what I like is finding, finding the three or four things you can do and say, if we just do those things, everything else will fall into place. And that's true of how I, I want to manage my business and, and also the design solutions that, that I'm fascinated by. Right. And so what's one example of, of that instance that you just mentioned? Um, I, think, I think in every design project, you, you hit that aha moment. You hit that, that, well, we could do this like this. And um, one of the first big projects that happened for me 
on was, you know, was a really complicated project. It was a car configurator. And it was the first time I'd approached a, a problem like that. It's a few years ago. And you could, by clicking the checkboxes and choosing the right options, come up with up to half a million different variations of, uh, of this particular car. And all of the solutions that had, had been designed up to that point uh, had taken that problem and gone, right, we're going to break this down into steps for people dum, 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 and make them go through these steps. Superficially, that sounded like a simple solution. But it was very clear when, when we watched people go through that process that they felt they were being put into a, into a tube and shot down a pipe. And the level of anxiety, what's at the other end of this pipe? Where am I going? Why can't I do this? Uh, was, was immense. And so that step-by-step you know, -step process really wasn't working for them. It was freaking them out. And you could see that in the, in the, um, in the, in the web analytics. People were just dropping out of the process. And so the thing, you know, the simple idea that we had there was, well, why don't we just let people do anything in, in any order? Of course, the technical complexity behind that um, was, was huge. But just by opening the process up, just by letting people move around and do the things they wanted to do, and finish doing them when, when they felt they were ready. Not, you know, you must finish all these things to get to step two. Then you must finish all these things to get to step three. But when you're ready, try this. And when you've done as much configuring as you want, then you're done. That just, bam, people's satisfaction went way off the scale. Uh, people's enthusiasm went way off the scale. And they actually ended up doing more. You know, we'd taken away the constraint. They could, they could have done nothing. Um, but they ended up doing twice as much and in half as much time. So it was a really, um, you know, it was a, it was a great demonstration of how you know, often a, a very simple idea, no matter how complex it is to implement, has a profound effect on, on people's behavior uh, and on their, their satisfaction, on, on, you know, on how much good you do for them. It's interesting, uh, the problem of the linear path versus sort of one that's more customized and personal for the user. I, I recently was working on a project similar to that where the interface was linear and, and we discovered with the users that that's not the experience they want to have. They mm -hmm. uh, might go to step three and then one and then six and four and move around and, and that's more meaningful than going through a linear process. Yeah, that's right. And you know, very often the linear process kind of breaks in the real world. So you know, that is a problem and a solution. I've come up against it time and time again since. So, you know, a few years later, I was working on a mortgage application form. Really complicated form. People uh, needed to go and get lots of different pieces of documentation. And of course, somebody had gone, well, we'll just break this down into a step-by-step -step process. And what would happen is people would start to fill it in, and then they'd go, oh, well, I don't have this piece of documentation. And then they'd have to go away and get it, and uh, either it wouldn't be with them because they'd be doing this from work and, and the document was at home, or they couldn't find it, or you know they got distracted by something else. And so again, you know, it, the the process was was too constraining, and um, you know, and, and people dropped out. Same thing as you found right. you know, by letting people go in whatever order they wanted, they could they could get the easy stuff done, get invested in it as well, uh, and then come back and do the harder stuff later or do this do the other stuff when it was more convenient for them and it, it again same thing boosted up 
the number of uh, the number of people completing the process. I mean, I remember with that project, literally, they put it live, and then they they had to hire more back office staff to to process the the, uh, the orders. Within a few weeks, they were overwhelmed. That's that's a good problem to yeah. have. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice problem to leave someone with. <laughs> it's, it makes me think of taxes and um, how you can you can go through the digital experience in whatever order you want, or you can use the wizard. And so I think, you know, something like a wizard or something that offers the user help if, if they're in a complex environment is really useful, but that you have the choice, whether you want to be guided through or whether you create your own experience. Yeah, although I'm, I'm always um, a little wary of, of giving people those, those kind of choices because it's, it creates a sort of a seed of doubt in people's mind. You know, should I have gone this way? Should I have gone that way? And the, the trouble with that doubt is it just sort of niggles away at people's confidence. It's really important to, to recognize that even if somebody gets past a step in the process, like do you want the wizard or do you want the open process, that there'll be these little grains of doubt in their mind. And you won't see them, but they're building up and building up and building up. And eventually they'll, they'll reach a critical point and people will just go Ooh, and drop out. And so I, I think we have to be very uh, economic. Uh, and, and respectful of the, um, of the kind of the emotional capital that we're using up as people go through an interface, and um, uh, and that we we recognise that just because the analytics said they got past that point doesn't mean that point was not a problem. Right, the trust is so important, and um, even when you're being led down a path, I think you can question the intention of who's leading you. Mm. And so, like you said, a little by little, you might say, well, they're taking me down this path, but why? Why are they <laughs> taking me this way? Yeah, that's, that is absolutely true. And, you know, trust is, um, yeah, it's a huge issue. Um, so I do a lot of, of work on e-commerce sites. Again, superficially, it looks as though what you're, you're doing is you're um, facilitating a transaction. I think what you're really doing is engendering trust. And, you know, people will buy when they have enough trust. And, and so once again, if you undermine that trust, uh, they'll drop out of the process. Again, that's one of those, those shifts that suddenly makes you see the entire process rather differently. People are far more critical in their, in their judgments than, than they're often given credit for. I think it's very easy to kind of look at an interface and see, ah oh, yes, people will absorb this and, uh, and then they'll know it, or, or, or then they'll believe it. Uh, we find that a lot with, um, uh, with uh, comment systems and review systems. You know, people don't just look at a review and go, ah, that therefore is what this thing is. They review the reviewer. As they're reading through a review, they'll go, would I agree with this person? Would this be my judgment? Would, you know, does, does this person's particular set of preferences match up with mine? And and they may read a bad review and go, yeah, but you know, that guy really didn't know what he was talking about. Or that guy was, was upset by something that he really was trivial, he shouldn't have been upset by. And they'll go ahead and buy anyway. So again, you know, trust is a, is a very subtle thing. Uh, and it's, it's not just about giving people what they want. Uh, it's about treating people like adults. Tell me a little bit about your book and, and what inspired you to write it. So my book is, is called Simple and Usable Web and Mobile Design. And it's, it's a book about simplicity. It's a book about you know, what is it and, and how do you get there. 
And as I said, that as a theme is something that I find, you know, as I dig back through, you know, you discover a folder of some stuff you wrote 10, 15 years ago, you discover, oh my God, that guy, that old Giles was still writing about that stuff and thinking about that stuff. So it's, it's one of those things that have been bubbling along for a while. And I think there are a couple of things that really troubled me about simplicity. And the first is that you hear a lot of sophistry around simplicity. So people say, oh, it's impossible to know what simplicity is. Look at your, your iPhone, you see it. You say that it's simple, but look how complex it really is. Look how many moving parts it is. Look how much technology is in there. It, therefore, it's not simple. And I think that, that really is sophistry because you know, simplicity is an experience. And, and the, the real answer is not, you know, let's open something up and see how complicated it is. The real answer is, does this person who is using this thing feel they had a simple experience? It's not something objective, it's not something you measure. You really need to ask people, does that feel simple? And I think that was an important point because you know, there's a lot of people kind of dissing simplicity um, as though, oh, it's, it's, it's dumbing down or, um, or, or people don't want it or need it. And, and, and that's simply not true. And use, the use of those kinds of arguments to, um, you know, to, to pull the wool over people's eyes kind of frustrated me. Right. So that was one thing. And, and then the other thing was I found myself, as, as we grew the business and interviewed people and, and brought them in, we needed little design tasks to give people in, in the interview. Um, and so one of the tasks we gave them was to simplify something. And it was actually a TV remote control, a DVD remote control. So it was something we knew that everyone would have in their home uh, and something that appeared way more complex than it ought to. Um, and so we would ask people to go away, simplify it, bring us back a presentation. And then essentially we would, we would give them a hard time, no matter what they said, um, <laughs> because we were interested really in uh, their ability to listen to critique of their design uh, and also to stand up for their decisions. But as we were doing this, we noticed that really there were only a, a limited number of solutions that people could come up with. And I thought that was fascinating. You know, suddenly we had a way, you know, we'd ask people to do one thing, and actually all of their solutions fell into these four categories. Uh, they, would, they would remove stuff, uh, they would organize stuff, they would hide stuff away, or, or they'd display stuff. They'd, they'd move stuff off of the DVD remote control, but put it somewhere else in the living room. And those were all you know, interesting and, and valid um, approaches. They all had different trade-offs associated with them, and they kept coming up again and again. And so I thought, well, here's a really cool pattern. Here's something that, that we can start to use when, when we're trying to apply that question, simplify this, to, uh, to anything. We could start to use those patterns and, and, and play with them. Uh, and so that was really the, the, the genesis of the book. There's a real ethos of, of sharing. That doesn't exist in other industries. A lot of other industries pretend they have some kind of secret source and, and that they've done something special and wonderful and, and that their technique is, is, um, is unique and you have to go to them. And in our industry, it's, it's almost exactly the opposite. It's like, well, if you're doing something that nobody else is doing, it's a little bit suspect. And, and if you have something cool, you get kudos for sharing it. And there's always a slight risk that if, if you don't share it, somebody else will come up with the same thing anyway and, uh, and share it and they'll get the kudos. So there's this real kind of enthusiasm to share, enthusiasm to spread the, 
the knowledge, the ideas, the techniques, and to learn from each other. We're really lucky to have that. And I and now the people uh, who, who work in my company, we make a point of kind of contributing to that, whether that's through writing books or um, working on, uh, on conferences, um, going to speak, doing mentoring activities, um, just sharing what we discover in, uh, in blogs. I think it's really important to, to, to try and be part of that and to do those things, to go out and talk to, to students in college uh, and just explain what it's like out there in the, in the world um, or to, to say, well, here's my best shot at this, but you know, if anybody's got something better, please add to it, please help. We're incredibly lucky for, to work in that kind of community. And it sounds like you encourage your team to do the same. Yeah, and, and they got a lot out of it. And they do it in different ways. Um, some of them have really discovered they enjoy the writing process. I, I found writing my book the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It was so nerve-wracking, committing stuff essentially to paper, you know, where you can't take it back afterwards. You can't write um, a little addendum onto a blog post. Uh, you can't comment on your own stuff and go, oh, oh I've also found this. You know, it's on paper, that's it. Uh, and if you make a dumb mistake, it's your dumb mistake forever. So I found that whole process of writing really difficult. But um, you know, some of our members of staff are, are already on their second book, uh, way ahead of me. And others um, you know, get, it, get it through organizing events. Uh, others get it through speaking. Others get it through blogging. Um, I'm, I'm not too concerned about you know, which it is, but I think putting your ideas out there, sharing them, and, and connecting with people you know, outside of the, the little office we work in right. is really important. It is, it is. And it's exciting to see people sharing, and I think you do get the rewards um, for sharing those ideas at conferences like the IA Summit. So it's, it's great to see that happening in this industry. And it, I think it really is inviting for people who want to get into the field. I hope so. I think keeping things uh, inviting and friendly is... You know, it's another aspect of a, of a healthy community. You know, we've done work on, on um, community websites before, and you know, one of the one of the slightly terrifying things that sometimes happens in those environments is that it ends up being a little echo chamber with the inner circle just talking to each other, and um, you know, and, and closing closing off, closing in. And that's why you know, a conference like IA Summit is is really valuable because there's a real commitment there to bringing new voices in, to bringing people who've never spoken at this kind of conference in. Oh, and also giving them the training and support so that you can't tell which ones those are. You know, you, you, you come along to this conference in, in particular and because of the work um, that people like Adam Polanski do in the, in the speaker's studio, you know, everyone, everyone gets up on stage and, and is great. Uh, and that's, um, you know, that's just tremendous to be part of that and to watch that and to see those people step into the limelight. Right. So where do you see yourself going in the next few years? Like, where do you want to stretch yourself? What do you want to do next? Um, the two things that I enjoy most are, one is, I suppose, a little bit kind of hidden from view, and that is actually the, the business of designing a business. And that's fascinating. Um, in a consultancy business, it really shouldn't be about command and control. It should be about facilitating. What you need is for all of the people who, who work in that business to, to be great and to go out and be great. You don't want them to be you know, in a hierarchy and you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth rank and feel as though they're under, uh, under the thumb. 
So designing a business where you really encourage people to develop and grow and then keeping that happening as the business gets bigger and as you know you have all these the, the, the web of relationships gets uh, gets more complex and the scale of projects that you're doing gets more complex that is a, an endlessly fascinating um, process and, and, and problem to me um, and it's lovely it's you know it's this little place where you know, I, it'd be easy to say I can experiment on but actually you know you run something like that a lot through culture right. uh, and through developing um, you know a, a sense of, of the culture and values of the group and so we can sit down and have a, a discussion as, as we did just the other week about process and somebody will look somebody around the table will look at that process and say that's not quite us that doesn't quite fit with our values and that's really what you're looking for you're looking for the, the you know on the one hand you're trying to design a business but it's actually you know you, you do that through this sort of process of, of instilling culture and then the people within the business end up designing it and, and making it better and, and of course you need that if, you, if you're ever gonna gonna grow it and, and, and you know um, get it bigger than, than you know the number of buttons that you can press with with all of your, of your fingers so that's one of the things and then the other thing is that I, I do love you know coming out into um, events like I summit in, into the community and really connecting with people um, and, uh, and and you know just getting that sense of, of what's going on we're at a time of incredible disruption in our industry, uh, the, the way we go about doing stuff is totally different from the way we, we went about doing you know, the, the same things, you know, UX design, inter interface design, you know, five, six years ago. And the difference is, uh, is the mobile phone, is the smartphone. What's happened is that, um, first of all, the number of devices that we're designing for has very obviously proliferated. But the number of people consuming the experiences really hasn't. You know? So now our clients come to us and say, right, I'm running an online store and I need it to work on these incredible, you know, this incredible range of devices, but I still want you to deliver it for the same kind of price that I was getting when, when we were just really delivering for, for desktop computers. Um, because the economics just don't make sense any other way. So you have to rethink your process entirely. And that for me is why techniques around sketching, collaboration, lean UX have really come to the fore. Um, and you know, we, th we think of you know, mobile disrupting our clients' businesses, but it's actually disrupted ours just as much. Right. And in a good way, in a way where actually the work that we're doing now is so much more collaborative. Um, is, has so many more, you know, more aspects to the design challenges that we're facing. So we're, we're very fortunate. Yes, you have to look at it uh, in the ecosystem. Everything is kind of smeared all around all of these different experiences, whether it's web or mobile, or you have to look at the whole uh, experience of the consumer, whether they're in their home and shopping online before they go to the store, they get to uh, the area, they look on their map, they get to the store, they have the web app and, and they're in the store. So it's th that all is part of the experience with all of those different devices along mm. the way. And, and again, that's a disruption that mobile has, has brought because instead of you know, the, the, the paradigm of use being somebody going to a desk and sitting down and doing a task, it's now anyone, anywhere, 
any time, for any reason, trying to do something. And, and mobile has really kind of seeped into all of the cracks in people's lives. That's given us, again, a, another huge opportunity is, is that we are designing services now instead of designing, let's say, web experiences. And so it's opened up organizations to the, the skills and the techniques that, that we have, the insights that we can bring. Again, I spoke about how things were at the very start of my career. We could only dream of the kind of access that we're routinely given these days. So, you know, mobile has been just tremendous for industry. And it's, it's, it's transformed the way we do what we do and the way we see what we do and what we're asked to do. It's been yeah. an amazing, amazing few years. If people want to learn more about you and what you do, where should they go? I blog occasionally on, the, uh, on my company website, which is cxpartners.co.uk. I tweet about whether or not I'm catching my trains and also what kind of interesting stuff I've seen uh, in the world on, uh, on Twitter at Giles Colborn. Or what's best is come and meet me at a conference, come and say hello, come and have a conversation. I love that. That's why I love coming to places like, uh, like this. We're talking at IA Summit. And uh, you know, I'm very lucky to get to go you know, all over the world. I think maybe that's something that's not always appreciated. If you don't travel outside of the US, you, you don't realize actually there's different design cultures yes. uh, elsewhere in the world. And they take the things that we do and do them slightly differently. And so I love you know, the, getting the opportunity to go to places um, that are doing them differently. I think it's very easy to assume, you know, if you go somewhere that's, that's sort of off the track, they'll say, well, you know, we're, we're behind where you're at in, in the UK or in the United States. And it's not really like that. It's kind of they've evolved in a different direction for, for different reasons. And, and they, they bring a kind of a, a freshness of their particular perspective to it. Um, again, you know, I'm very lucky to, to get the chance to go around the world and see how people are doing stuff, uh, how people are doing stuff elsewhere. Definitely within the different cultures, you know, if you are traveling somewhere and have the ability to stop by a company, you know, maybe they're a member of the, the Information Architecture Institute or whatever, but um, to learn and, and deepen your understanding of how things work globally, not just where you are. That's a great point, actually, that um, you know, the diversity of cultures applies to the businesses we work in just as much as the countries where we, where we come from. And as a consultant, somebody who works in many companies, um, that's something that um, you know, I have to be very respectful of, that uh, you, you can't just come and say, here's the way to do something. Or you know, maybe in a few years' time, you'll be able to apply this you know, if you get good enough at the other stuff. That's really not how things work. You, know, you, have, to be, you have to respect that, that companies have their, their own culture. That culture has grown up for a reason. Um, and that you have to, to rethink the way you do stuff so that it works there and it works for the people who work there um, and, and that you know you don't leave and they go wow that was great and then four weeks later go yeah but we can't make it work so we won't and that's that's a very common occurrence and you know a lot of times consultants put that down to failings in the client and I think I think really that's that's down to a failure of, of vision uh, and flexibility uh, in the in the consultant and, and in their approach to, to sharing the ideas or, or to implementing their thinking. So where do you feel like CX Partners has sort of a niche in the market? What is your strength? Um, I think that we have a tremendous heritage in user testing. We hang on to our staff 
you know, the, we have very low staff turnover. So all of the, the, the project experience, the testing experience that we have um, tends to stick around. Uh, that's incredibly valuable. Um, it means that you know, very often people have encountered problems before uh, and encountered ways of solving them and, and can bring that knowledge and experience to, to the next project. So we're very lucky to have that. We're, we began also, I mean, our first, our first client, our first project was, uh, was an international research project. And, and that continues. So we do a lot of work across, uh, across all the different countries of Europe, um, but also across Asia, uh, across uh, the Middle East, across North and South America. You know, there's, there's really very few places in the world that, that we haven't got the chance to go to. And so again, you know, that um, experience, that diversity is great. Um, you know, we're, we're so lucky there. And those are, those are two things which, which I think kind of set us apart. But in the reality, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to kind of, you know, big us up too much. You know, we, we learn so much from, you know, our friends in, in other companies and the people that we meet at places like IS Summit that I'm, I'm most interested in just doing great work on this project today than, uh, than worrying too much about uh, oh, how can we be different, how can we be unlike them. No, what I want to do is, is just do great work. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Thank you. UX Radio is produced by Laura Federoff. If you want more UX Radio, you can subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes or go to ux-radio.com where you'll find podcasts, resources, and more. Thanks to Steve Crosby for digital development and original score piece by Cameron Michel. This episode is sponsored by WeWork. Meaningful conversations are essential to the success of every entrepreneur, freelancer, and small business owner. At WeWork, we consistently strive to make meeting new people and having interesting conversations natural and effortless. From the design of our workspace to the events at our buildings, we do everything we can to support the idea that if one of us is successful, we all benefit. Every WeWork location is staffed with community managers who work directly with members to understand their business needs, struggles, and growth plans, and connect them to other members who can help. Events are an integral part of the WeWork experience, from product launches to elevator pitches. Whether you're asking for advice, looking for product feedback, or just meeting like-minded entrepreneurs, WeWork.com is a seamless extension to the community. For more information, go to WeWork.com 